Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. I grew up playing baseball. I've told you that before, but I haven't told you this particular story. I, I grew up playing baseball, and the, the thing is that you probably need to know is uh, that I'm actually, I was never really good at baseball. But I played a lot of it. And after a while, once you play a lot of it, then you're sort of forced to become reasonably okay at it, right? So after a while of becoming reasonably okay at uh, baseball, and, and as a matter of fact, I actually won some trophies because as I'm realizing now, I always was on a team with really, really good players, okay? Now think about what that means when you're not that great of a player. It means that they have to balance the team out. Are you with me? So I was always on a team with really great players. I was the, yeah, yeah, you, you got it now. But I won some trophies. It was a lot of fun. I'm not sure, uh, not sure that I was the greatest player. But I always looked up to these great players. I always looked up to them. They were great players. They did a really great job. And I remember when I was 12 years old, I was playing on a team, and, and I just felt like, I, like something needed to click with me to play baseball if I was going to keep playing. It just needed to click. But I, I, just, I just was kind of, I don't know, I just didn't feel like I quite belong. I'm sitting in the dugout, and I'm just kind of playing with the dirt, chewing bubble gum, you know, spitting, because that's what you're supposed to do in baseball, right? I mean, come on. In a big dugout, hanging there, and I hear these words. Hey, Simpkins, you're up. You're up. It means it's my time to go to the plate. And just like every other time, I kind of had my little ritual of getting my hands together around the bat, swinging a few times, getting on, I'm in the on deck circle, just swinging a couple of bats, getting kind of ready to go. And I walked out to the pitcher's mound, and I just was thinking, man, just make contact so the kids will, like, at least not make fun of me when I get back to the dugout. I can't strike out anymore. It just can't keep happening. But something all of a sudden sort of clicked. And it was like the Matrix. Have y'all seen the Matrix? Right? And it was like the pitcher kind of came in, he was going in slow motion. And I remember him, I can still see it today, and the ball just came right in. And it was like right over the center. And I said to myself, as soon as he released it, I'm going to hit the ball. And I stood and I just went, swing. And guess what happened? I didn't miss. <laughs> Boom! I made contact. And dude, that ball just kept rising, kept rising, kept rising, kept rising. And just as it started to dip, it hit the tree line. And I saw the umpire do this right here. I hit a home run. It was amazing. And I'm running the bases like Kirk Gibson in the World Series. You know, this and all this stuff around. Nobody remembers that, just me? Anybody remember that? Okay, a couple. That's like four of us, right? And running the bases. I'm doing my thing. I get all the way home. And I remember walking in the dugout. And there was this kid named Lorenzo. And Lorenzo and I became good friends. I think that he was nice to me because he knew I wasn't very good. And he didn't want me to feel bad about not being very good. And so Lorenzo came in. And I remember he looked right at me. He goes, you're in the club now. And I was like, what club? <laughs> but he didn't just mean the home run club. He meant that I was on the team. He meant that I was like a contributor. And it set me on fire for the game. And it really just sort of everything clicked in my head. And all of a sudden, I knew that I wasn't that great of a player. But I knew that I could be a contributor. I knew I could be a part of the team. And it wasn't long after that that I sort of realized that my gift for the team was always going to be the team voice. I was always going to be the one that was going to get everybody rallied and, and cheering for the guys up to plate. I even won an award, because I guess they couldn't figure out anything else. <laughs> I still have the baseball that says, most enthusiastic. <laughs> but that was my role, and I loved it. 
I remember that day because I went from at that point feeling like an outsider. In that moment, I became an insider. I was part of the team. I'm preaching today a, a two-part sermon, all right? So, like, I, I preached this uh, sermon two weeks ago, and it was the first half. And I thought this would be kind of fun. I've never done this before, and I, I might try to do it again. So if you're, if you're like, well, what's he referring to? And you want to go back, and you're super in need of a good nap, you can go back and watch the first half of this sermon to see what the heck I'm all talking about. But referring to this Pentecost story, does anybody remember the Pentecost story? It comes in Acts 2, and it's an incredibly awesome story. So I'm going to read it to you. It comes from Acts 2, 1 through 21, and I'm going to read the whole thing. It's kind of long. Everybody say, we got you. you. All right. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then... What looked like flames or, or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Everybody good so far? Okay, settle in. We're just getting started. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. That's what they say about us here in this gym. They're crazy. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, just like that. <laughs> Speaking in tongues already this morning. I love it. It's like the perfect, I couldn't have planned this any better. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Now, why did he need that detail? <laughs> no, what you are seeing was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour my spirit out upon the people. Your daughters and sons will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Guess that's why I dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark, and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. In verse 21, read this one with me. But everyone who calls, this is what you, okay, hold up. Let me, whoop, I'm going to go back because I want to make sure you know we do full contact sermons here, all right? This is not an observed situation, all right? Y'all read this one along with me. Let's get all our voices together. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Last week's sermon, two weeks ago, Last sermon was about the outsider. I told a story about a woman who was, um, it was kind of a story that I made up, but just to think about what it would be like to sort of be on the outside of this whole Pentecost story. And she had come to markets and was looking to kind of get some things that she needed to get. And yet, she was right in the middle of this incredibly triumphant moment of the Holy Spirit. I mean, she was witnessing history as an outsider, as one who didn't belong. This week, 
I'm thinking about it, what it meant to be one of those people in that upper room, in that house. So if we're thinking about what happened in Acts 2, it always is helpful to like not just pull that thing out and just forget about everything else that happened. So we got to look a little bit back at Acts chapter 1. All right, keep in mind what's happened. Everybody know what's happened right before this? Jesus died, rose from the dead. Everybody say, got it. Got it. Now, we hit Acts 1, and all of a sudden Jesus is talking to him, and then everybody say, whoosh. Jesus washed up into the sky, and there's a couple of angels there, and the disciples are standing there, and they're just like, uh, everybody say, uh. And they're like, hey, I don't know what you're waiting around for looking at the sky. Y'all got stuff to do, basically, is what they're telling them. So they got some business to take care of, because they used to have 12 disciples. Now they have 11, because they're missing one whose name was? Good. Y'all are doing great. We need candy to throw at you when you get answers right. <laughs> so you got to pick from who's left. You got to pick from who's left because we got to replace Judas because we got a lot of work to do and there's got to be 12. We got to pick somebody that's been here for a long time, but also somebody who can can't handle carrying forward the movement. So they nominated two men. Anybody remember their names? You get extra special points today if you remember their names. Anybody remember one of them? Oh, that's really great. All my Baptist friends. <laughs> Joseph and Matthias, that's right. And it says they cast lots. Now, it's not just like rolling dice, but it's real similar. They had these stones with little markings on them. And there was actually some practice that was throughout the Hebrew scriptures that they would, they would roll these out to see if they could sort of hear the word of God spoken to them in this way. It was a sort of a strange practice, but it happened all throughout. And it was actually God commanded. When you don't have any more wisdom or any more information to go on, and you still haven't discerned the answer, you would cast these lots and sort of see what God would say through those, which is such an interesting, interesting phenomenon. But they did this, and bada bing, bada boom, Matthias was chosen, and Joseph must have been stinky or smelly or something else, because he just, you know, doesn't mention a whole lot in that particular part. So congratulations, Matthias. Everybody say congrats. All this is well and good, but there's one thing in these two chapters that just really keeps on tripping me up here. This is the Savior of the world. Just has died on a cross and risen from the grave. It's this huge event. And there's all these people to see this thing going on. It said people come from all over the place. And Jesus goes into Jerusalem on a, on a donkey in the same way that Caesar would enter on a, on a steed. And this crazy emperor was, was like this. And yet Jesus was just on the other side of town doing this the same way. And it was this magnificent event. And everybody knew what was going on. Now, wait, wait, let me, let me go back even further than that. All these people saw that. But would it go back even, even further than that? This ministry has been all over the place, miles and miles and miles, and town after town after town, Jesus has been in with his disciples. I mean, a lot of things have happened. Think about everyone who has seen what's happened with Jesus so far, okay? And we start counting the numbers of people. There are hundreds who have been healed, literally thousands have been fed. It said the feeding of 5,000, right? But they didn't count the women and the children. Everybody say, boo. That's right. Oh, my ladies. It was only 5,000. No, there was probably close to 15,000 or more just in that one moment. Think of all of these people that have seen what's happened, this huge following, and all these people that would surround him so much that he couldn't even preach on the shore. He had to go out in a boat or on top of a mountain just so that people could hear what he was saying. All of these people. But now in Scripture it tells us that only about 120 remain. Yep. 
And I can't help but think, where'd everybody go? Where'd everybody go? Did they just go back to their old lives? Did they just go back to their old ways, their, their jobs, their families, their towns? Like, where are they? Did they all just go home? Think about what that must have meant to the disciples who had been working on this movement for all this time and had had like the most catastrophic and yet beautiful event in the history of that whole movement. Thousands and thousands down to 120. It must have been incredibly devastating. Where's all our people? I can't imagine what's going on in their heads as they gathered in that building. It just says they were gathered there in a house. And we don't know if it's the 120 at this point or even just the 12. Most likely what we have in, verse, in, in, uh, in chapter 2 tells us that we probably had just 12 in this building. So now 120, they got tired of waiting. And it's now just 12. Being a part of something on the way up, it's all right if there's 12, right? I mean, it's got to start somewhere, right? Somebody say, right? And gosh, it's really great when you get to that 120 and, and everything's on the rise, right? It's great, right? And then you hit the thousands and now you're feeling like you're on top of the world, right? And everything's going great and everything's smooth and everything's working perfectly. And Jesus is here, but now Jesus is gone and everybody say whoosh into the sky and all of a sudden it went down to 120 and now not even 120 but 12 and I have to think that they're sitting there in this room and probably the lowest point yet with the whole rest of creation in front of them that the angels are just like uh, uh, get, get going guys quit standing around staring at the sky you got work to do we got to replace Judas you got things to do the whole gospel rests on your shoulders and this had to feel impossible and there's that quiet when you're sitting in the impossible. Sitting on the bench in the dugout. Everything was going on around me, but I was nowhere even sort of connected. I'm going to go up to the plate, and I'm going to strike out probably, hopefully walk. Please, Lord, don't let me get hit by the ball. And that quiet. I felt that quiet before. And not just in the dugout, but other times in my life where I was facing the impossible. Anybody with me? Say yeah. Yeah. The whole world was happening around me, but just quiet. And these disciples must have known that quiet. Then all at once, you're up. The Holy Spirit comes into that room and sets them on fire in a way that we can't even begin to explain other than saying flames or tongues of fire were happening. It fills them with this holy discontent. Something's happening here, and it's going to be huge. They can't help but move outside the walls of the house. Side note, when you've got fire on your head, you need to go outside. If not, you might burn your whole house down. Can I preach this morning? Hmm. If not, you'll let your whole house burn down. Let me just sit there, that one for a second. 
See, I think lots of us here know what I'm talking about. When life feels impossible, when you look around and you see not enough, when what you thought was your great trajectory feels limited now and empty, you might be looking around at your situation and think maybe it's all ruined. Well, you're in pretty great company because so were the disciples who had the rest of creation to spread the gospel sitting on their shoulders, and there was only 12 of them. Here's Peter sitting in a room with a bunch of disheveled, disheveled, confused, perhaps unmotivated dudes, and most everyone's gone now, facing a huge uphill battle, and whoosh, everybody say, in comes the Holy Spirit and says, Peter, you're up. And he goes out and preaches the sermon of his life, and the others are speaking other people's native tongues, and that 120, or that 12 becomes 120, becomes 500, 600, 7, 8, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 in that moment. That's what the Holy Spirit can do. So maybe you just rolled in today thinking, I'll just drop by this church and check it out. Or maybe you came for vacation Bible school this week, or maybe you've been here for a while. I believe that God put you in this room this morning on purpose. If you tuned out or fell asleep up till this point, wake up, because I think God's going to tell you something. God wants you to hear this. There's no messing up that God can't renew. There's no failure that you've experienced that God can't redeem. There's no situation that God can't bring hope to. There's no sin, no sickness, no divorce, no job loss, no brokenness, no anger, no pain that God won't breathe new life into. Today is a new story, a revived hope, a gospel witness. God is the God of redemption, hope, and life. And there's no death that you can die that God can't resurrect. So today, brothers and sisters, you're up. That same Holy Spirit fire rests on each and every one of you in this place today. You're going to get to see lives changed forever. Because when you're a part of a movement, you get to see lives changed. So here we are. And I want you to look around. Everybody look around. It's a beautiful place we get to gather, isn't it? it smells a little bit like sweat and children's feet. But we're going to make it, amen? Because buildings don't change lives. History, community, movements are what change lives. Connections and story are what change lives. This church should never, ever, ever be a noun. It should always be a verb. Movement, action, happening. The gospel is happening. The story is happening every day, every moment. Somebody's day is their Pentecost day. It's somebody who's going through the mundane, and you happen to walk by them with that Holy Spirit fire, and you may have no idea that you even have it on you, and you say or do something acting out the gospel in the name of Jesus, and you may not even think about it, and yet God is going to make that day their Pentecost day, and is going to redeem their story in you because of your story, amen? I want to test this theory out, that God's still moving in us, in you. This isn't the same old story, this is our story. It's not just some story outside their walls in some faraway land in some crazy fire moment, but it's the same thing here. It's outside these walls in this moment. So I got three questions I want to ask. See if we can put them up. Where have you seen God at work this week? How has God used you to bless others? And how has God used others to bless you? I want you to take two minutes, and I want you to just talk to people close by. 
and see if you can at least hear one story to answer these questions. And I want to hear some from you. I know this is crazy. I know this is weird. This is not how sermons go. He's supposed to just talk to us, and then we get to go home and eat food. All right? I get it. But that's not how we do things here. Full contact sermons. Talk about these questions. You got two minutes. Go. All right, so this is a little crazy. But I want us to just take a second and shake things up. And we're going to start shaking things up more and more in this place because this isn't just about some kind of place that you go and you just sort of consume church and then you go home. The church is the movement. It can't just be about what you hear from the preacher or what you hear from the music, but it's about what's called the liturgy. Everybody say liturgy. That's actually what the, the word means, the work of the people. Everybody say, the work of the people. So the liturgy isn't just something that happens right here with us. The liturgy is something that happens all throughout your week. So I want to hear some places that you've heard God at work this week or how God's used you to bless others or has God used others to bless you. I know this is crazy, but church, trust me, this is going to be awesome. Raise your hand. I'm going to come to you with a microphone. I just need a few great stories. All right, Mark, all the way in the back. You may have to stand up so everybody can see you. Briefly. Yeah, exactly. I, I know, got to go. I know Mark. That's why I said, I'm just right. playing. Thank you, brother. I got to go see the remaining members of the Grateful Dead. It's called Dead and Company, and they have John Mayer, and they've been playing with John Mayer for three years. And there's a lot of diehard fans that miss Jerry Garcia. But um, this guy, John Mayer, is a true blessing. And uh, God touches all of us in so many ways. Artistic abilities, music, um, lawyers, doctors. I'm a nurse. I take care of veterans. I work at the VA. And um, it, was, it's, and it was just a moving experience to see true talent. So whenever you get a chance, go see it. And um, God is always there. He's always there. Thanks, Mark. I see. Thanks, Mark. What you got, big guy? Go ahead and stand up. Here. This past week. Hold um, the mic real close to your mouth. Stay right here. This past week, I went to Boy Scout summer, summer camp with a bunch of other boys from my troop, and one of the boys got homesick the first few nights until like Wednesday and we had to push him through it and he until he just would go to sleep and his worries were taken away so good job man so God used you to bless others God used others to bless you where have you seen God at work this week I want to hear a couple more stories anybody got one willing to share I see hands go up like this and then they go right back down. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Yeah, you pull it close. Um, real quick, I saw God at work this week because my daughter made very long strides in her speech therapy, which we've been praying for a long time, and we saw that this week. Amen. That's awesome. I'm going to say amen. Anybody else got one? Yeah, I was hoping you would. I was almost going to ask you. I was about to ask you. Go ahead. So my son uh, went to VBS last year. It was, was not a good experience and was very against VBS this year. And then suddenly said he wanted to come here this year. And uh, he goes to school here, so we were really excited about it. And he comes home on Wednesday and he says to me, Mommy, it's good to be back with God. <laughs> and uh, 
just to see him light up again was pretty cool. Amen. Let's give a round of applause to the Holy Spirit on that one. See, we don't have to look far to see God at work, right? We get to see God changing lives all over the place. And this right here, this gathering on Sundays, it's not the main thing that we do. The main thing that we do is all the rest of this week where we look for the answers to those questions. Because telling that story is what changes lives. Telling that story is what helps us to remember that we're part of a movement, not just going to a franchise to have a chicken sandwich. That we're a part of something bigger here. And we get to see God at work. At work. If you came into this place and maybe you're feeling like you don't have a lot of answers to those questions, that maybe there's a little bit of the fog right in front and it's not making sense to you, I want you to hear this. You are loved. You are loved. God loves you just like you are. There's nothing you've done that can't be forgiven. There's nothing you've said that has made God stop loving you. This life, this grace, this table of mercy and forgiveness is for you. Come taste that forgiveness. Come have somebody pray for you during communion. We'll have prayer partners in the back if you'd like. And it's nothing big. Just share what's on your heart and let them pray for you today. Then, get your team jersey on. Because guess what? Say it with me. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks this day for meeting us here in this place with forgiveness and life and grace. We pray, Lord, that you would have your fire fall upon us fresh and new, that you would bring your Holy Spirit here, that we might see and hear and know and touch and taste and see that you are good. We pray, Lord, that your word rests upon us all week as we think about the moments in our lives where we're up and we get an opportunity to share and see what you're doing. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, the risen Lord and Savior. In that name we pray and all of God's children say. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.